Before I uh, read the scripture from the book of Acts, I, I, I forgot something, Gary, in my study. If you would run to my study um, near the cassette tape player, there's a towel, a white towel that I will need later in the service. Thank you. Let's hear God's word from the book of Acts chapter 2. Uh, this is the story of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. The words will be on screen and I'll be reading from the New International Version. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now there were staying in Jerusalem at that time God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all of these uh, who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both uh, converts, uh, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's this feeling of celebration in the air. It's a, a festival feeling, a, a, a day of celebration, because today we celebrate the baptism of little Owen Anthony. And, and it's also Pentecost, this Sunday when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have special food later in the day. I'm told we have cake and cupcakes and cookies after the service, and everyone is alert and excited and ready to celebrate. And that's the kind of feeling that was filling the air in Jerusalem, that Pentecost day, the, the festival of Shavuot that the Jews came to celebrate in, in Jerusalem. Seven weeks have passed since Passover, since we celebrated Easter and the, the rising of Jesus from the dead, and the city is again full of people. And some of the pilgrims have never left. The, the ones who come from places far, far away have stayed from festival to festival while others have gone home and are back again to celebrate this harvest celebration. 
And Shavuot is one of those three festivals that Jews were supposed to come to Jerusalem to celebrate every year. They would come in carrying the first fruits of their spring crop, their wheat and barley and grapes, their wine, their olive oil. And they'd bring these offerings to the temple and they'd lay them down and give a portion to the poor. And everyone would celebrate God's gracious provision. And as the years went by and people kept celebrating this festival and fewer and fewer of them were farmers, well, the festival changed a little bit. It became not so much about a spring harvest, but about the gift of the law to God's people on Mount Sinai. And people would celebrate by reading the, the Torah, the law of God, through the whole night before. In fact, some of the disciples might have pulled an all-nighter before this celebration came. They would be full of those delicious sweets and treats, uh, things made with milk and honey, remembering the, the gift of the land and the law, how God's gift is sweet. In fact, later on, 18th century European Jews would celebrate this holiday by making delicious things like blintzes filled with cream cheese and, and kugels made with all the rich stuff they could find in their cupboards. And uh, in fact, these days today, Jews celebrate this festival by having ice cream. So I, I recommend starting a tradition on Pentecost of going out for ice cream or having ice cream in your home to celebrate the good, rich gift of the Spirit. Now make note of that, parents. Now, now, the city of Jerusalem would be bustling with people eager to celebrate, ready to party, and, and that's when they hear this noise, this noise that's like the rushing of a violent wind. And of course, everyone goes out to investigate. It's like, like those tornado dads in Kansas or Minnesota who, when they hear the sirens go off and there's a sound of a storm outside, they'll, they'll go out on their porch and watch the storm just to see what's going to happen, looking for a twister. Or maybe it's like those summer days here in Ellsworth when you hear the A-10s or the F-18s fly overhead and the sound of, of a jet plane fills the air and everyone gets outside and you look and see what's going on. That's what draws people out on Pentecost. The sound of the, the violent rushing wind, this sound of a tornado or a jet plane, a sound that makes you tremble and wonder. And it's the sound of the violent wind that gets people together. It's the sound of the Spirit at Pentecost. And it finds all those believers gathered in one place. There were about 120 believers at this time. 120 people who called on Jesus. And they were there, perhaps in the upper room, gathered to celebrate the festival. They read the Torah all night. They worship and they wait to celebrate at the temple. And that's when the Spirit comes. It's, it's nine in the morning after a long night of staying awake and, and they, they hear the sound first and it's this sound like the, the tongues of fire resting on them. And could it be a hallucination? Could they be dreaming this whole thing? But no, it happens. It happens to everyone. And even to little children perhaps crying after a rough night or too much sugar. The, the tongues of the Spirit come on those believers gathered there and the Spirit filled with many languages uh, gives them words that they don't even know pouring out of their mouths. And it's no wonder that people came rushing out. They wanted to know what's going on. The believers must have poured out of their upper room and outside to see what was happening. And somehow that whole lot of people, the, the 120 believers, the 11 disciples, the whole crowd of over 3,000 people find some sort of outdoor place that fits them all. And they, they, they've heard the sound, they've seen the fire, they've heard the tongues. Now someone, can someone just help us make sense of what is going on? And it starts to make sense when the people realize that they're hearing their own language. They're hearing their heart tongue, the, the, the language from wherever they come. 
And this crowd that is gathered in Jerusalem is really, really diverse. It's a sign of how big Judaism was at the time. There were God-fearing Jews from every part of the Roman Empire, people from uh, places even far beyond its borders. And the author of Acts gives us this whole list of names, 16 different places that they came from, uh, places all around the Mediterranean, uh, Libya, Egypt, uh, near the bottom, uh, Palestine, up uh, then Turkey, and, and Greece, and Rome. And there were probably even some people from places far away like India, and Ethiopia, and Persia. Now, Judaism in the first century was already a multicultural religion. It was scattered out to these places through persecution and war. And wherever these Jewish people ended up, they called on the God of Abraham. And and people noticed them and started asking questions and wondered, who is this God that they follow? And some of these converts, too, were in Jerusalem. They come to hear the law. They want to know what God is doing for his people. They want to be grafted into the family of God. They wanted to follow the law of God with his people, and and all of them hear these wonders of God in their own languages. What an amazing experience. And to that they ask the question, the key question, what does this mean? Can someone make sense of this? And, And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we have that same question about the Spirit. When we hear the Spirit do something amazing, we ask, what does this mean? Can, can someone help me make sense of this? I don't understand it. I mean, maybe you've heard plenty about God the Father and about God the Son, Jesus Christ, but very little about God the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit is called the forgotten member of the Trinity. And, and here are the basics. Christians believe that God is three in one, this mathematical and theological mystery God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not less than or subordinate to the Father and the Son. No, the Spirit is equal and eternal and powerful, just as much as God the Father and God the Son. And it's impossible to speak of one member of the Trinity without talking about another, how God the Spirit acts with and in and through by the Father and the Son. In fact, it's almost impossible for us humans to even talk about God without resorting to analogies of all sorts, and and our words just somehow seem to fall short when we try to describe who God is. Maybe that's why we turn to song sometimes, like we sang earlier, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Still, you, you might be confused about what exactly the Spirit does. Well, the Spirit is there at the beginning, at creation. The Spirit is the breath of God moving over the waters when God forms the earth and everything that exists. The Spirit is what inspires the the psalmists and the prophets and the writers of history and scripture who proclaim God's word. The Spirit is active when Jesus comes into the world before his birth, when he's inside of Mary's womb, how how, uh, Mary and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna speak these prophetic words of encouragement and truth. And the Spirit rests on Jesus at his baptism. He marks him as one whom God loves. The Spirit, uh, Jesus promises to give the Spirit to his disciples. And here, finally, on the day of Pentecost, they receive the Spirit. They receive that promise of the Spirit who's been already active since the very beginning, even though they did not realize it, that all who call on the name of Jesus receive the Spirit And some believers may even be unaware of the Spirit's presence and power, but they eventually find out. And apostles like Paul, who we've been following through Philippians, go out into the world with this gift of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And the whole story of the book of Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit working through the church, taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole world. 
even when some don't realize it or understand it. And so they ask, what does this mean? And there is a ready answer for that. They're drunk. They're crazy. The spirit can't do that. They're out of their minds. They're hallucinating. People don't do that. People can't do that. What does this mean? And that's when Peter stands up in the crowd. Peter gets up. Peter the rock, that faltering but still faithful disciple of Jesus. Peter knows what's going on. He remembers the scripture. He stands up in the crowd. He probably climbs up on a wall or a rooftop so everyone can hear him. And he shouts it out to everyone. Listen, my fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And then he goes on to explain from the Jewish scriptures, from the prophets, from the book of Joel, exactly what's going on. Peter knows his scriptures. He knows that Jesus promised the Spirit. He knows that the Spirit of God is active in the prophets and he's promised to all in the last days. And starting with Jesus' death and resurrection, these last days have come. Things are different. The Spirit is here. God pours out the Spirit on all people, men and women, young and old, slaves and free. And God moves them to prophesy, to to see visions, to dream dreams, and to prophesy again even more. God's Spirit does signs and wonders, these loud noises like the wind and signs like fire of tongues of fire coming on them and more signs in the sky and the earth. And these signs of the Spirit, whatever they are, they point to what God is doing. They point to the last days, the day of the Lord, the, the end of days, that time when Jesus' kingdom is complete, when it is here. And the most important thing the Spirit does amid all these signs and wonders is to prompt people to call on the name of Jesus, to call Jesus Lord. See, the Spirit gives witness to Jesus. The Spirit moves people's hearts to call on Jesus. The the Spirit saves everyone who calls on Jesus' name. And when Peter gets to the end of his sermon, when people ask, what should we do? He says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit And this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom our Lord God will call. The Spirit of God calls people to Jesus. And this Spirit calls people to give witness to the name of Jesus, to what he has done for the world, to what he has done for them. And the Spirit pours out on the new believers like wind and fire and water. And it's the Spirit that moves people to proclaim Jesus' name. And that Pentecost day, over 3,000 people were baptized. And I wonder sometimes how they managed to baptize 3,000 people in one day. I mean, just the sheer logistics of it would be tough. But somehow, so many people called on the name of Jesus, and that day, they received the gift of the Spirit and the waters of baptism. Jesus Christ said this, He said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, in in baptism, God seals the promises he gave us in this covenant with us, calling us and our children and all who are far from the Lord to put their trust for life and death 
in Jesus as our Savior, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him in obedience and love. And God graciously includes our children in his covenant, and all of his promises are for them as well. Jesus himself embraced little children. He took them on his lap. He blessed them. And the Apostle Paul said that children of believers are holy. And so just as the children of the old covenant were received by that sign of circumcision, so our children are given the sign of baptism. We are therefore always to teach our little ones that they have been set apart by baptism as God's own children. Hear also these words from the book of Romans. All of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, baptism is a sign and a seal. It shows God's promises to his covenant people. And in baptism, God promises by grace alone to forgive our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ, the church, and to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew and to cleanse us and to resurrect us to eternal life. And this promise is made visible in the waters of baptism. And so I'd like to invite uh, Molly and and Sean and... um, You can get the kids. Tell the other kids to come up too. We want all the kids to come on up, uh, Judah and Abram and any other children who want to come up and see the baptism uh, up close. Sorry for the short warning there. We celebrate this baptism of Owen with great joy. Come on, Judah, you can come sit over here with me and I'll, I'll read the book to you. Yeah, you can sit right there. I like having all the kids come up uh, to remember their own baptism too. And you uh, who have been baptized, as we baptize a child, you may not remember your own baptism if you were also baptized as a child or if you were baptized as an adult. Every time we celebrate a baptism, we remember our own baptism too. Uh, You guys can stand or sit wherever you want for now. I'm going to start by reading a book to the kids uh, called At Your Baptism. And this is a book that we'll give to you to read to Owen. Um, You can take home with you to remember. Owen, do you want to see the book too? Or do you need to be held? Probably. If you want to sit down with him, you can. I don't know. Okay. Judah, I'll sit with you right here. And then they can look. At your baptism, God tells you that for you, Jesus Christ came into the world. I'll show you the pictures. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered the darkness of Calvary and cried at last, it is finished. For you, he triumphed over death and rose in newness of life. For you, He ascended to reign at God's right hand. All this he did for you, little one, before you knew anything of it. And so the word of Scripture is fulfilled. We love because God loved us first.